coming like a fire. Warm this place up. I apologize to people on Zoom who are actually hearing the singing. Uh, yes, Ben's lighting a fire here. It's very cold. It's very, very fresh. For some reason, the heater isn't keeping up. We can't call it in here. I mean, we'll turn this thing on. We come in. We got a, we got a sauna going, and it's like people are like, "Whoa, man! Don't make us wear our shorts to church." It's nine degrees outside. All right. Anyway, you know what? I think you know you're not gonna fall asleep if you're freezing. So, have eyes open. This can be good news. Good news. All right. Well. Oh. Well. That's it. That's a good tone. Um, <laughs> I uh, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about. Oh man. Shoot. What did I talk about? I um I talked about uh yeah probably yeah hopefully Jesus got a look in hopefully Jesus got a look in uh what did I, oh shoot what did I talk about uh 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 oh sowing sowing and planting sowing and reaping uh you know God will not be mocked what a man sows he reaps this and this alone he reaps you know we're talking about this idea of spiritual wellness and you know notion of um. In a spiritual sense, we reap what we sow. And what are we sowing into? Am I sowing my life into the things of the world, things of the flesh, and distraction, disconnection? When I'm sowing in that, I'm going to reap the fruit of that. And, it, you know, as we went on, we looked at scriptures that said the fruit of that is death. And the fruit of sowing into the, life of the, uh, into the spirit is life and peace. That's what, that's what sort of summary. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's true. That is, that is, that is, that, that is true. We are reaping the fruit of what we are sowing. And, you know, we're talking, I was talking a little bit about, you know, being a grocery, uh, a farmer who prefers the supermarket. You know, I'd rather just go to the shops and pick up what I need in an instant than have to plant and weed and tend and wait for a harvest. You know, and some of the things that we want in our spiritual well-being and our spiritual wellness require uh, uh, sowing and reaping and a patient process in that. So consistently and wait, you will reap the harvest uh, that of promise. And then last week, uh, Glenn hit it out of the park with, you know, introducing the, you know, sort of starting out with the song, um, um, you know, that may, maybe like, yes, maybe the biggest line in it is, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worship my preference anymore. You know, that was kind of the crux of what he was sharing. I'm not, I'm not going to worship my preference anymore. And what does it look like to take a life and lay it down and let God be God and not expect the outcome to be what we would prefer, what we want, but to come to him for him and let the surrender of our lives mean that whatever he has is, is, is good to us. Um, this week, um, you know, I, I, feel like, I feel like we're kind of going to continue on this idea and I'm, I'm not sure for how long or in what sort of consistency, but in this idea of spiritual well-being. Because you know what? We can really receive relational help and emotional help and, uh, you know, psychological help, uh, physical help, a uh, hundred thousand places. But really the, the church, this should be a place where, where our spiritual well-being is a, is a topic and a focus and a, and a pursuit, you know. And, and when we talk about pursuing Jesus, we're talking about a spiritual pursuit that wants wellness in my spirit. You know, we're not, we're not just focusing on a soul-filled re reality or a mental reality or a physical reality. Um, you know, we're talking about an idea of coming after spiritual wellness. And, and today, I, I want to talk about, 
it's it's a it's a, it's a little bit. Well, let's just keep it simple. Uh, I want to ask the question: What is fueling your expectations at the moment? What's fueling your expectations? You know, what are you expecting, and where is that expectation coming from? You know, think just stop and think about it for a moment. If I had to say, like, this is what my expectations are of my life today. This is what my expectations are. You know, I just have a think about it for a second. Just first things, we're not looking to, you know, write the, write the essay on this, but just like first things, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, give you answers. These can be positive expectations. For some of us, they will be negative expectations. For some of us, our life might be absent of expectation. I don't have any, you know? What, what, what would you say? Let's popcorn them. Let's be brave. Sorry? Did somebody say something? Oh. I just heard a groan from over here. All right, I think Ben has answered us first with a, oh. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> well, you're expecting a new life in your family. We'll start there. That's going to be an easy one. You're expecting to be a dad of two and then to be a joy. <laughs> I'm now answering four people. What are our expectations at the moment? What are our expectations? Sorry? Yeah, just, yeah. Full? Full? You have an expectation that you're going to live a full life. Yeah, you don't, want, you don't want an empty, anemic, thin life. You want a full life. I want to, I want to, yeah, that's cool. That's a good word. Okay, full. B's expecting a full life. Let's have that. Who else? Somebody else? Just in a word, two words, three words, a sentence if you need it. What are you expecting? Tired. You're expecting tiredness. Yeah, I'm just not going to have what I need. I'm not going to have energy. It's going to be a bit meh. Yep. That's relatable. Yep. Others? What are you expecting? There's no right or wrong answers. Success. Success. All right. In what sense? All senses. Yep. You're expecting you're going to thrive. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Expecting success. I like that ass. Yeah. That's good. Expect challenge. Okay. Difficulty. Challenge is a more positive word. Let's stay with that one. I'm expecting challenge. No. As is expecting failure alongside of his success. All right. Is he com- his... There's a few passions. There's a few conversing expectations going on over here. I expect success. No, failure. I expect failure. All right. Sorry, Ali. Sorry. Yeah. Challenge. Yeah. Ex- expectation of challenge. Yeah. 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 Expect the best, accept the worst. Yeah. Look... I think, uh, you know, this idea of uh, expectations and really then a layer below those of what's fueling my expectations, uh, you know, is an, is an interesting idea. And, um, you know, I think living with low expectations can feel safe, right? You know, like I, I, um, I had someone recently 
um, who we had a really good time. We had a really good time together, and and they were accrediting that to low expectations. It was really great because I wasn't expecting anything of that, and so it was easy for my expectations to be exceeded because I wasn't expecting much. You know, I think we can live like that, like live feeling like whatever I get is going to be whatever it is, and I won't be disappointed because I'm not expecting anything. Do you know what I mean? Like we can live kind of like without much expectation. Yeah, and, 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 and look, if, if that's a place that we relate to it, where we find ourselves, there'll be good reasons for that. And it's not, um, you know, it's, 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 it's for good reason. It's for good reason. You know, or we can live with too high an expectation. You know, and then we're like driving after something or we're, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe maybe too high an expectation can mean like this is what we're doing and this is what it's going to look like and this is how it's going to be. And, you know, I, I can be guilty of too high an expectation and I can drive my family to do more than we should or or accomplish more or achieve more or get after more or it should be bigger it should be more fun or I can have too high an expectation of God you should move now you should move in this way it should happen in this way you know we can have too high an expectation you know or we can have too low an expectation did I already say that one no did I no yeah too low an expectation you know oh nothing good's ever gonna happen life's not going anywhere nothing's gonna happen for me uh, nothing's going to ever change. You know, that would be too low an expectation. Things are always changing, so nothing's ever going to change is by far too low an expectation. Uh, you know, and, and something's fueling that sense of expectation for each of us. And so, you know, returning back to Glenn's message last week, you know, I'm not going to worship my preference anymore. All right, where does that leave me? Because my preference could be a passion or a desire, you know? I prefer... Uh, you know, burgers over salads. And that's a preference. That is just a preference of mine. If there's a burger on the menu and there's a salad on the menu, I prefer the burger. And that makes me happy to have the burger. And it makes me feel disappointed when I have a salad. My preference is the burger. And so if I'm not going to worship my preference anymore uh, in life, where does that leave me? Does it leave me with no expectations? All right, whatever God gives us, that's, that is what it is. Does it leave me with low expectations? Well, if I'm not going to get what I prefer, I'm just going to be miserable. Or does it lead us with too high an expectation? Well, now I've let go of my preference, and so God better do something incredible and amazing, because how wonderful am I that I've let go of my preference? You know, but I think in behind this idea, we've got to come to realize that we are people of dreams and desires, and we're made to be. We're made to be. You know, letting go of our preference isn't living absent of dreams and desires. And if our expectations aren't flowing from God-given dreams and desires, we're missing out. We're missing out. And if you've set your expectations on something other than a God-given dream and desire, it's not safe. It's not safe because, you know, the enemy loves getting us, setting our expectation on something that's not going to happen. He's just like, oh, here we go. We're just going to crush their dreams. We're gonna, this is gonna, here comes the ministry of despair and defeat and discouragement and disappointment. Look, look, look. They think they're going to have tons of cash and they're going to be broke. Right? 
The enemy loves that. He'll get us focused on a dream or an ambition that is never meant to be and never going to come to pass. And then he'll defeat and destroy us because we set our hearts on a dream that was never going to be. Or set our focus on an outcome that was never meant to have our focus. But the safe place to set our expectation is on the God-given dream and desire that he's planted within us. Do you agree? Do you think that's true? Is, is, it's hard to put your hands on that though, right? And it's hard to keep that in focus. You know, and in some senses, I think we've settled for low expectation because we've got disappointments or no expectation. Whatever is, is, you know, we'll serve God, no preference, no problem, because whatever, you know? But that's, that's, there's no dream and desire in that. There's, there's a partnership in this, in this process of seeing God accomplish the incredible things he's intended. So let's just take a look at this scripturally for a second. This idea of, of dreams and desires that have been given to us by the spirit of God that are planted in our lives that should be the fuel for our expectation. And, th- and let's just talk a little bit about how that can play out. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 17. It says, for you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, for worldliness and for selfishness. But through love, serve and seek the best for one another. I mean, really what this is saying is you're free. You're called to freedom. You're going to get to live your life for whatever you want. You're free. You're free to live for whatever you want. You're free to dream or expect whatever you want. You're free to set your life on whatever you want. But don't use the freedom that you've been given for your life to be about whatever you choose to set it on the things of the world or to set it on selfishness. Choose to set it on something of God. That's what he's saying. Use your freedom to go, I'm free to love the things of God, to desire the things of God, to be passionate for the things of God. And in this instance, he says, let that be seeking the best for one another. That's what he's representing that in. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cool idea. And then he goes on to say, whoops. For the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. But if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out that you, along with your entire fellowship, are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. Then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the Spirit, And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that as believers, you do not always do whatever good things you want to do. Okay. Two desires at play, right? I mean, mean, maybe we struggle with the idea of sinful nature because, you know, none of us really want to think of ourselves as like sinful people or maybe we like characterize that as like the really dodgy dark bits that belong to the criminals and the the horrible people who who do the unthinkable and the unspeakable like that's not sinful nature sinful nature is life apart from god it's separation from god that's what sinful nature is sinful nature is my plans without god my intentions my expectations outside of god that, that's sinful nature. 
And so he says, there's a desire that you have that's outside of God, but it's not just outside of God. Actually, the desire that you have that's outside of the presence of God inside of you opposes God. I mean, do you think that's true? Play that out for a second in your own mind. Are there desires that I have that oppose the plans and purposes and ways of God in my life? Is that there? Like, just think about internally. Can I identify in my week-to-week life desires that are in opposition to the life God would have for me? Um, yes. For me. They're there. They're not all sinister. They don't all belong in the some, you know... thriller movie it's not that extreme you know it might just be careless it might just be lifeless it might just be disconnected you know what, what put it in whatever category you want there are desires that exist within this life that actually oppose the path that god has for me that's that's, that's true for me internally okay secondly it says, where, where's the bit? Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him, be responsive, and his guidance. And then you're not going to carry that out. You know, he's saying these two, the, the sinful nature and the spirit are in opposition to each other and in conflict. So then there also is a spirit desire that's within me. And can you put your hands on that as you stop and you think about it and you go, is there a desire in me that pulls me into the things of God, that pulls my life into agreement with the things of heaven, with the principles of God, with the fruit of God, with the things he's accomplishing, with the things he cares about? Is, is that a place that I can find myself? You know, is that an actual place that there's actually a spirit desire that can well up within me that actually has me excited about things that God has for my life? I mean, I mean if, if you think about it for a minute, maybe it's harder to put our hands on that. Because I think we're very naturally accustomed to the desires of our life apart from God, my own independent life. We're very familiar with those. They're present. They were always present. They're loud. You know, they play out physically. They pay, play out mentally. They play out emotionally. You know, it's like you don't, you, you don't, uh, yeah, anyway. It's like that's where life flows without intent. But actually, the desires of the Spirit take an intent to connect, to find, to see. I mean, have you ever experienced this? I know it probably won't be true of this group of people, but I'll use it as an example. It's possible. Have you ever not wanted to come to church on a Sunday? Not, not, no, probably not. Probably not, but it's maybe, maybe. All right, have you ever not wanted to come to church on a Sunday and then for some religious reason, obedient participation, decided to come and encountered something of God that morning? Okay. You know, like the flesh opposes the things of God, right? I'm not saying church is the place you're going to find. This is an obvious example because I think we can all relate to that. It's like, you know, uh, I mean, I told my story about Friday morning. It's the same story. It's, uh, 
you know, he plays out a hundred different ways. There is a desire that feels like mine, that feels like what I should live by, that feels like what I deserve or what I'm entitled to or what I want that's in opposition to a second set of desires that's I want God. And they're in conflict and I can find it within me and I can end up somewhere receiving the things of God going, I do not want to live by that desire that says don't show up. Don't connect in. Don't take a minute. I can tell you what, like half the time that I go to sit down in my journal and spend time with Jesus, I just don't want to. I don't want to. You know, it's like uh, my expectation is that Jesus should be such that it feels like a stadium worship session every time I come to him. Okay, that's too high an expectation, right? That's unrealistic. That's unreasonable. And if it felt like that, I'd just live there all the time, wouldn't I? It was like, whoa. <laughs> but if that's what we're expecting, our expectations are too high of this spirit-filled life. Because it's life, right? But it's like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna live by? What desire am I gonna empower? Because within us is a desire, and within that desire of the things of God is a dream that's been planted inside of you that is what your life is made for. And if we do not become familiar with a desire of the Spirit, we'll never receive the dream and the purpose leading to expectation of the thing that God's placed within me to be and do and participate in and become. And you know what? The, the, that, that dream, that desire, it, it seems ridiculous to the part of me that just wants what it wants. And I think when we sing that song, I'm not going to worship my preference anymore. We're talking about laying down a desire that's within me that wants its life apart from God and picking up a new desire and dream because we don't want to be people that live without desire and dream. We want desires and dreams to lead to expectation that says in laying down this life, I'm picking up this life and it's got a dream that I've got big expectations for, that I've got great hope in, that I am sure of. And it doesn't look like stadium worship sessions in my lounge room every morning. It looks like a quiet life following after the things of God and expecting reasonably of him that he's going to show up, that he's going to lead, that he's going to guide, that he's, he's going to, you know, move in my conversation with the eyelash lady. It's a great story and an awkward, you know, it takes a lot of explaining really, doesn't it? Yeah. I hadn't seen it one time. Ella was like, she was standing outside a window going, what are they doing to mommy? <laughs> Her eyes are closed. That's weird. <laughs> it is weird. I'm gonna confirm that. But anyways, back to the back to the message. Let's let's keep let's keep working through a, a, a scriptural picture of this and then move on. In Philippians chapter two, verse twelve to thirteen, Paul says, "Was this? Yeah, just catching up." So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is cultivate it, bring it into full effect and actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Okay, summary interpretation of this verse. Seek God when somebody's not there doing it on your behalf. Seek God when you're not doing a study. Seek God when you're not at church. Seek God when somebody's not standing there going, hey, let's pray. 
hey, let's pursue something more. Hey, you're made for something more. When, when I'm there, you're going after this. But now, even more so, now that I'm not there, go after it. When no one's looking, go after the things of God. When no one's looking, grow spiritually. When no one's there, seek the things of his spirit. Go after him. When nobody's executing this on your behalf, let a desire rise within you that says, I want the things of God. And treat it with seriousness. Be cautious and, and, and be self-critical about the things that are actually going to, in your life, offend God. And seek after the things when no one's looking in your home, when no one's there preaching at you, when no podcast is delivering it, when no book is accomplishing it. Go after God. That's encouraging. Let's be that. Yeah, when the conference ends, when the worship stops, when church is over, when nobody is excited about this, go after it. He goes on and he says, this is the good news. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Read, he will give you a new desire. He's going to give you a new desire. In your pursuit of God, he will give you all that you need, all the effective strength, all of the ability, all of the capacity, all of the oomph, both to will and to work, to want it and to do it, right? He will give you all that you need to want it and to work it. Just go after him. We do not want... We do not want desire and dream dead followers. We want to pursue Jesus, connect with a deep desire and a big dream that has us pursuing something incredible of him. We don't want to be, we, we don't want to give up. I mean, maybe that, maybe we're not going to worship our preference anymore could lead you to go, oh, I don't want anything ever. I expect nothing. It's like, no, no, let's go after it. Let's go after him and let rise within us a new desire. I mean, an example of this in our own life, I know it sounds nuts, but Leela and I really wanted to move our lives to Africa permanently. I mean, I shake my head at the notion. I shake my head at the notion. I'm like, I don't know what was wrong with us. I don't know if we were, I, I don't know what mind we had found ourselves in, but we were excited about this. We wanted it. He gave us everything we needed, both to will and to work the thing in which he purposed that it would serve his good pleasure. He gave us a desire for it. We did not go self-sacrificing. We didn't go like, we're not going to worship our preference of Western life anymore. No, we went, this is what we want. Don't take it away from us. This is what we wanted. And he gave us the funds to go. He gave us, opened the door to an opportunity and he'd given us a desire. We were not acting in obedience. We weren't acting in self-sacrificing service. We'd found a desire and a dream of the Spirit of God for the season we were in, and we went because we wanted to. It's like, let's let a new want rise. He's going to give it to us for the dreams in which he's made us for. Come after him. Let a desire emerge. Let a dream come to pass, and let's go after it. And you know what? Some of the things you're already dreaming of are, are there because he has placed within you a dream. I really like, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm bring this into land promptly. There's, there's a book that I've quoted a few times. I've even told this story before, but I'm gonna tell it again because I think it's appropriate. It's a, a book by Scott Erickson called Say Yes. 
um, discovering the, 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 the subtitle is kind of where all the gold is. Say yes, discovering the surprising life on the other side of the death of a dream. I'll say it one more time. Say yes, discovering the surprising life on the other side of a death of a dream. And basically the book is built on the principle that, you know, there is a, a dream that our self-life carries that comes to a death and, and gives us questions and gives us introspection and lets rise a deeper dream and a tr truer dream and that God will allow some of the things that we've set our life toward to be unsuccessful or to not happen the way that we would thought because he's reaching for us and desires that we wouldn't settle for something less than the dream that he's planted within us. Anyway, and so in the process of, of pursuing this, he says every year, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll talk about what he would say this spirit-filled dream looks like in, in, in three different ways. He thinks in pictures, this, he's an artist, and so he thinks in pictures, and so he said, the three pictures that I get when I think about dreams is a tuning fork. And he says, when we talk about our dreams, we're really talking about finding that attunement in our lives, finding that chord where everything comes together in beautiful harmony, finding a note of enjoyable existence, being comfortable in our own skin, being aligned with our truest self. That's a cool idea. Part of the things we dream of in the depths of our being is attunement. You know, finding a place where I can express my truest self, accepting that, being that, living that. That's a beautiful idea. And then the second picture he has is a feeling suit. I find that a hard like image to relate to, but anyway, he's saying, this feelings space. And so he says, we express our dreams. When we express our dreams, we're signaling that we hope there is a way to feel in the world that's different from the way we feel now. A dream job, a home, or vacation is more about the better feeling you hope is there when you arrive at those things. I think that's a true statement. A part of what we dream of is feeling a way in the world that we don't feel today. And then the third thing that he said, dreams are about destiny. And he, he calls it the, the car or the vehicle of destiny. We're going somewhere, we're on a journey, we're moving forward. And he says, to talk about dreams is to believe we're headed somewhere. A car or any vehicle for that matter is intended to take us somewhere we desire to go. This desire implies we're on a journey, that we're not stagnant but moving. Maybe not always sure of where we're going, but we're moving towards some destination. We want to be the kind of person who has a destiny. I think that's true. We want to be attuned to ourself. We want to feel in the world a way that maybe we don't feel today, and we want to be headed somewhere. That's the three things that he said captivate our dreams. And then he said in, in pursuing this deep dream that we have in our life, sometimes we have to look at the things that we want, the desire, like desire has purpose, right? It's revealing something of me. A misdirected desire, desire outside of the spirit of God gets misdirected, but he's planted desire within us already that's expressing itself through the things that he wants. And he says, this is, this is an exercise his wife does. He said, from the beginning of our marriage, my wife has posed these questions periodically. If I win the lottery tomorrow and never have to worry about money again, what would I do with my time? What kind of job would I want? Where would I live? What would my friends be like? Who would I hang out with? What would I want to learn? 
What would I do with my time? And how would I feel during the day? Almost feels like too dangerous an exercise, doesn't it? But he takes and flips it. So he just, she says, you know, go through and get your practical answers to those questions. And then he says, I want you to take that list now and ignore the outcomes of what you listed. Money, fame, big house, and so on. These are the concrete examples, but I want you to focus on, the, on less on the outcomes and final destinations. And now take a moment to list the qualities of the kind of person who exists in these outcomes. So he says, for me, a practical dream when I answer these questions for this gentleman is I would like to live on a big beachfront house with a view of the ocean. He said, that's a dream, an outcome. Then he says, when I go to the characteristics of the kind of person who would want that, he says, for me, I love surfing. It brings me alive and restores and heals my soul on the worst days. So I'd like to make time for that kind of practice in my life. And I grew up around the ocean and the smells and sounds give me a deep sense of belonging. I like to be the kind of person who rests in their belonging. I'd like to have a good work-life habit and I'd like to be the kind of person who works hard, yes, but who also makes time to enjoy living. And so he sums up the dream that's in his heart as I'd like to be the kind of person who makes time for restorative practices, who rests in their belonging and who has a work-life habit. Yeah, I think there's a depth to that dream that has nothing to do with doing something, but has everything to do with a dream of becoming, being something, being who I'm made to be, being at peace in myself, being at rest, having balance. You know, and I think when we start to focus on a dream that goes, who am I? Not what am I going to do? Because the doing things are going to happen. The doing things are going to happen. And when we put all of our focus on outcome-oriented things, okay, what is the God-given dream and desire in my heart? Well, let's create some permission to let that land on characteristics of who we are and not what we do. You know, Mel was talking to me on Friday night about a podcast that she listened to. Um, some church, I, I would can't quote it, some, someone from some church somewhere, you know, and they were, they were talking about this in a different sense, you know, they were talking about a season of the church coming off of just focusing on what we're going to do or what we're going to accomplish, but focusing on who we are and letting God produce within us the kind of people that look like followers of Christ, people of passion and purpose, full of desire for Jesus, who are living out an existence that we were made to live. And you know, this person has a very restful existence, you know, maybe that'll be for all of us, but some other people it'll be like, I wanna be, I want, I want thousands of people gathered around me. I want a community of passionate followers of Christ who are screaming at the top of their lungs, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. The dreams that are in each of our heart are very different because we're called to different purposes and we're made for different things. But as we begin to see who we are, you know, I want to be a passionate worshiper. That might be somebody's here. I want to be a, um, you know, whatever the things are. It's like, let's allow the spirit of God to begin to fuel within us a passion and a dream for who it is that we're made to be in him. And then there's nothing that's stopping you today from pointing your life toward that. What would serve that dream today? What would serve that passion today? What would help that become? All right, we'll bring this into land. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. 
This is preceding the, the last Philippians verse that we read. And, and the bit that comes after this is, is the bit where he says, you know, uh, you know, whether I live or whether I die, the life that I live is for Jesus Christ. And I don't consider it a prophet whether I live or whether I die. Everything's for Jesus. If I'm going to live, I'm going to live to serve him. And that's the only thing that's going to matter. And it should mean it should be the same for you. You know, that's, that's the direct passage that follows on from this. But he says, for I know with confidence that this will turn out for my deliverance and spiritual well-being through your prayers and through the superabundant supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ with which, which upholds me. It's my eager expectation and hope that looking towards the future, I will not disgrace myself nor be ashamed in anything, but that with courage and the utmost freedom of speech, even, as now, even now as always, Christ will be magnified and exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul has set himself upon a dream. And he has a desire and a passion. And he says that this would be the one thing that Christ would be served. That this life would serve him. He's, he's found it by the spirit of God, the will and the want and the ability to accomplish the thing in which he's made to do. And he's shouting it from the rooftops. This is what's going to be. This is a hope-filled future that I'm convinced of that I will be spiritually well, that I will be delivered, that Jesus Christ will be praised. That's what he set his heart on. You know, for us, we don't want to be people absent of desire or dreams. We want to be people whose preference is the dream and the desire that the Spirit of God is welling up within us as we, produce, as, as we pursue him. Yeah. And looping all the way back around to the question we started with, what is fueling your expectations at the moment? Because when the dreams and the desires that Jesus has placed within us fuel our expectation, we are partnering in faith with a future that he's planned. And when my expectations are shooting for something else or something different, I'm at risk of disappointment. I'm at risk of despair. I'm at risk of giving up. And when the thing that fuels our expectation is the dream and desire that Jesus has placed within my heart, I'm on my way to something magnificent. No matter what. And it's like when our expectation starts to partner with the dream and desire that the Spirit's releasing within us, we're on our way. Yeah. So let's have a chat about it. What's fueling our expectations at the moment? Let's let that be the topic of conversation and is there a potential that there's something I could put my hands on that would smell like a dream or a desire that God's given me for who I'm made to be yeah all right let's jump into groups have a chat what is fueling your expectations at the moment